Welcome to the Beacon Church Podcast. Each week we post a sermon from our last Sunday service so you can catch up, review, or share with your friends. We pray as you listen to this week's episode, you're encouraged and equipped to love God, love people, grow in Christ, and serve the world. Well, good morning, everybody. I uh, wanted to tell you that um, I had found a uh, picture during my extensive research on this topic uh, that we're doing today, but the reality is I was squandering precious minutes on social media and came across a very cool, uh, what I thought, I love this picture. It's so distorted, uh, and the idea that some of the heaviest burdens that you could ever carry are the thoughts in your own head. It fits so perfectly with our series, it felt like a divine moment. And so I thought maybe I should have been wasting that time on social media, trying to get some validation for that. Uh, but, uh, but what really struck me is it, it was very much, when I, when I saw it, it was very much how I had been feeling. It was uh, not uh, too long ago, maybe a few weeks, a month or something, and uh, I was pretty worn out. Uh, Cheryl and I were heading into the city to go to a concert, but it had been a bit of an emotionally draining season for me, and even physically demanding, and and some other things happening, and so I was kind of spent, and uh, I was just, I was tired. It was, I was kind of ready to curl up in a little ball and not go out and do anything, and, and, uh, but we had already made these plans, and I knew Cheryl was looking forward to it. It was the kind of thing I would have canceled, but you know, uh, it, and she wanted to, so anyway, we decided, I, I decided we were going to go, and I was going to make, make the best of it, and so we get to Radio City, and I think it was the last concert of the Elevation Worship Band tour, and uh, we were sitting uh, pretty far up in the nosebleed, which was uh, good news, because, you know, sometimes you go to a concert, and like the really engaged people are up front, and then it gets progressively less engaged as you go back. And sometimes we don't even stand when we're in the back. We just kind of like chill out and be like, well done. And so I was kind of hoping it would be that sort of a thing. Chill out, you know, keep my butt in the seat and just kind of observe. And then give an occasional awesome keep it up, guys. Because um, I, I was really, I felt like I didn't have very much left in the tank. And uh, I was feeling a bit spiritually dry. And I really wasn't interested in spiritual refreshment. Worship started, I think it was Carrie Job or something like that. Uh, she opened up and all of a sudden everybody jumps to their feet, the whole place, including all the people around me. And I was like, all right, it's not going to be a sit and chill kind of an event. Now, on the other hand, you know, I can do what I want to do. And so like, you know, I can just sit while everybody else is standing. And I was going to for like half a second and then a thought ran through my head. And I said, you know, I'd heard that some other Beacon people were going to be here. <laughs> and if they happen to be sitting in the area, they're going to see everybody worshiping but their pastor. And how is that going to look? Like people are going to get back, it's going to get out into the rumor mill, and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we went to the concert. It was amazing, though I did see Pastor Robert. He was looking pretty disconnected. He, like he almost didn't want to be there. So, of course, I decided, all right, I can't do that. So I'll stand up. Fake it till you make it, whatever that is. And, um, and so that was it. You know, I, I decided I'd stand, I'd clap a little bit. And as God does, uh, something began to stir in my soul a little bit. In fact, I had a thought that kept jumping in. And it was pretty painful 
and it was uh, some stuff that I had been sort of dealing with with God and some family and personal stuff and trying to keep it at bay, and it just kept, it kept intruding, it kept coming in. And I realized it wasn't an unwanted intrusive thought that this was God saying it's time to do this. It's time to actually settle up some accounts that uh, have been outstanding between us. And so I, uh, instead of running from it, I pressed into it a little bit more. And uh, as I was pressing in, feeling somewhat uncomfortable, uh, but realizing that uh, God was going to continue this work he wanted to do in, uh, in my heart. So uh, there was a break in uh, the music, and uh, we kind of, you know, people kind of went, some people got something to snack on or a drink, and I, I had noticed that there were these two young ladies sitting next to us, and one of them kept looking at me and smiling. And uh, so I was like, I should, you know, I, I don't know. They're just probably friendly people. And so I introduced myself, and uh, I said, hey, I'm Robert. And she goes, yes, Pastor Robert from Beacon. I'm like, it's Radio City. How many 10,000? This is ridiculous. And so ends up, it was, like a, it was like a year or so ago, she was at another church. I was a guest speaker there. She was on the team. She remembered me, recognized me, knew the name of the church and everything. So I couldn't even like hide or say I was with another church. It's like, no, no, no. I'm actually, I'm one of the pastors from another church that you don't know or you maybe you know. But I, I couldn't do any of that. So we started talking. And then I, and then it, it, I was a little sad because it ends up that they're not, these, these two ladies, they decided that the, there were no churches in their area that were good for them. They were, one of them was even going from Suffolk all the way to the city to go to church. And I was like, you know, that's so sad. They're passing dozens and dozens of good churches in order to get to the city. And that's like, I feel like, why don't we kind of worship closer to home and like at the very least stop at Beacon and worship there? <laughs> like, you know, like it's a lot closer than the city and it's, I think it's, as good as anything. Anyway, so I, I was just, you know, it just kind of like kicked around in my head uh, a little bit. Music starts up again. Some of my favorite Elevation songs are being played, and God picks up right where we had left off. And so I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed, and, uh, you know, I'm starting to, starting to tear up a little bit. And not, you know, not, it wasn't like an ugly cry or anything like that, like, not like what Trevor would do, but it was like... <laughs> It was like a manly cry, like a perfectly well-placed tear or two. Um, and, so, and so I was, uh, you know, I was, I was just, I was sensing that, uh, you know, God and I were doing some business. And uh, once again, I found myself in that place of having to surrender to his authority and to his power and uh, to work through some of those, uh, some of these issues. And so, in my, in my acknowledgement that it was time for me to relinquish some control, I was seeing that God was creating this sacred moment for me. He was creating this sacred space. And it was a sacred moment that actually helped carry me through some other very difficult, challenging circumstances, some promises that I got to hold on to. And that's where I want to end the story. I want to put a period in it and say that is what happened. And, uh, but it's not. Because then my brain started screwing around with me. Started uh, 
trying to take a special moment and turn it into something that it was not meant to be. So suddenly I'm standing there with a perfectly placed tear and I had found some of the beacon people. They were up into the, to the back a little bit over here, a little a couple of rows of them. And I realized that if I just step forward in my seat, kind of pressed to the front, they'll see me and see how emotional <laughs> I'm getting. This is legit thought going on in my head while I'm doing real business with God. And I'm like, that would smell well. Like, that would make it to the rumor mill. Oh, we went to the Elevation concert. It was amazing. And there's a whole new soundtrack playing now. We saw Pastor Robert, and he was clearly in the spirit, being moved by God. Uh, it was a very special thing. So glad to know our pastor feels these things. <laughs> and then I thought, you know, clearly these young ladies sitting next to me love emotive worship. Maybe they'll notice just how moved in spirit I am and, and, and how emotionally uninhibited. And they'll think, you know, I want to have a pastor who's so smart and handsome and emotionally uninhibited. So, and I'm, this is in my head. What wanted to be ought to have been, I kid you not, these and so many other soundtracks kicking around in my head, tampering with what God was trying to do in my soul, tainting what was supposed to be a few sacred moments. My head, it was, it was a heavy burden that night. I felt like I was dragging it around. And I could tell you hundreds of stories like this. Hundreds of stories. We're in this series called Soundtracks. And we're exploring how to to do combat and even take advantage of the soundtracks that will often kick around uncooperatively and unchallenged in our heads. And we will have to do this because every single one of us has these unwanted thoughts. Now, we've been talking about the one book that we based the series on, Soundtracks by John Acuff, but we've been studying another book as well, and we haven't mentioned it as much, but Esther Smith has taken what is largely the secular perspective of Acoff, and she has put some exceptionally great thought into the spiritual, biblical side of this whole conversation. So we've been utilizing a whole lot of her stuff, and she has this great big list of unwanted thoughts. She talks about worried and anxious thoughts. I'm sure, think through these. As you go through them, you'll be able to put some tick marks into the ones that impact you, self-deprecating thoughts that assign a false identity, depressed, hopeless, and even suicidal, racing thoughts. This is one of my constant ones. Racing thoughts and incessant mental chatter. I just Incessant is the only way I can describe what actually goes on in my head. Exhausting, daydreams, fantasies, mental pictures, irrational thoughts, sinful thoughts. Everyone struggles there. Thoughts in conflict with our theology, I think almost all of these things are in conflict with our theology when we get to the root of it. Intrusive thoughts and images. You don't want them there. They keep coming back in. You know they're not, they ought not to be there. You don't even want them there, and yet they keep intruding. Thoughts related to our trauma, deep, deep issues related to serious uh, past trauma. And then this one really got me. Unwanted thoughts about unwanted thoughts all the time. 
As soon as you get good enough at recognizing your unwanted thoughts, like as soon as you're actually like, hey, I'm really getting good at like grabbing these thoughts and seizing them. This is really good. Now I'm worried about all of my unwanted thoughts. I see them all the time. I have them all the time. I am literally at the worship concert worried about my unwanted thoughts. I'm like, this is ridiculous. These games that are being played in our heads. Esther Smith's got this great list, and she also will give us a ton of different strategies in working against these things. The Bible, we learned by way of review from what we've done in previous weeks, has given us a simple solution, simple to understand not as and simple to do, not as simple to stick with for the long haul, and that was to take ownership of your thoughts. Our thoughts do not happen to us. We are bigger than our brains. We are more than our brains. And so we actually get to take ownership. They don't just happen to us like the weather happens to us. But we can actually influence and work with and control and redirect our thoughts. And one of the neat things that the scriptures tell us, the kind of a word picture we've been using for the whole of this series is found in 2 Corinthians where he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive. Every thought captive. This is an absolute essential skill for the spiritual formation of the Christ follower. Every thought captive. Now, it isn't simply enough to take it captive And to be able to say, okay, there's a thought. I see the thought and I'm going to challenge that thought. You challenge it by bringing it into submission, obedience to Christ. You make it obedient to Christ. Now, of course, this is easier said than done for anyone who has tried. And so some of the tools that we have been looking at are you simply ask your thoughts a few questions. Are your thoughts true? Are they actually true? And a whole lot of your unwanted thoughts can be discarded very rapidly when you realize they're simply not true. Now, sometimes you will have true thoughts, but you will not find that they are helpful. And so you ask, are they helpful thoughts, things that might be true, but if I continue to think about it and ruminate on it and all of those kinds of things, it's not actually going to bring, put me in a place where I might know and love Jesus more. And so this isn't going to be helpful for me. And then one of the more powerful ones we looked at is, is it kind? Because sometimes you might be able to squeak through the true and the helpful, but you're just being hard on yourself. You have a track running that if you had a friend and you spoke to your friend the way you speak to yourself, they would never want anything to do with you again. Great rule of thumb is to find out if they're kind. If your friends would walk away from you, if you spoke to them in those kinds of ways, with that kind of an attitude, with that kind of persistence, then you're probably not being kind to yourself. These were very helpful. But then what we've laced throughout the whole of the series is if, in fact, you find out that they are not true, helpful, or kind, then it is time to retire them. It's time to say, all right, this is not something that I need to continue to let kick around and be a traveling companion with me. And we replaced them. Trevor did an awesome job. These are all online, so you can listen to some of these old messages if any one of these kind of grabs you and you haven't heard them yet. Um, But you're going to replace them with something better. And then today we focus a little bit on ways that we get to repeat the new soundtracks. Now, one of the neat things that we come across in the scriptures 
You know, this is like the soundtrack book of the, of the Hebrews, the Psalms. It's their song book. And so you can think of them as their national soundtracks. And the very first of the Psalms sort of sets the tone for why we sing songs and why we worship and why we reflect and meditate and why our poets and our artists and our, our singers and our musicians have all of uh, these resources and tools at their disposal. And one of the things that they want us to remember is that we will be blessed if we don't walk in step with the wicked, stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. This is how the whole songbook of the Jewish people starts off. You don't sit, you don't stand, and you don't walk with the sinful people. And this applies to the thoughts that kick around in your head. You'll actually see it here in a minute. But he's telling us, listen, don't cozy up with our sinful, hurtful impulses. In fact, the scriptures go on to tell us later, we're going to spend plenty of time in this world with people who are far from God. It was the sinners that loved Jesus. He's talking about allowing these kinds of things, these kinds of people, these kinds of cultural influences, these kinds of ideas, these kinds of idolatries. He's saying, don't allow these to be your traveling companions. Don't cozy up with these sinful and hurtful impulses. Now, one time we were having a party at our house. It was a beacon event, and I was in charge of the playlist. And uh, some of you were here for this day. And uh, I, I hit a repeat on a playlist, I thought. But then like an hour later, I, was, I just kind of zoned back into the music, and I was like, why is that song even in this playlist? I don't like that song anymore. And I realized, oh, that, that was the first song we heard when the party started hours ago. Actually, it's the only song that we've heard for this entire party <laughs> because I had not hit repeat on a playlist. I had hit repeat on a song, and I will never listen to that song again without being like, oh, I don't like this song anymore. Listen to it for like two hours straight. I made everybody else listen to it. The whole mood was like steadily going down at the party. I couldn't figure out why. I'm like, really, this song again? Robert's obsessed with this song. But, you know, this is what happens. If we have these tracks, they run over and over and over and over. And at some point, you're going to get sick of them. And he's saying, listen, don't let those things be your traveling companions. We want to put something else on repeat. We want to put something that is going to be sweet to the soul. In fact, the next verse, he says, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. He's saying, listen, there's something about the word of God. There is something about the truth of God's word the whole of the scriptures, that they're going to speak to your heart in incredibly powerful ways, so much so that you can meditate on it day and night. Now, people are like, how can you meditate day and night? I have to, like, sleep. I got to get ready for work. I got to go to work. I got to think about other things. And he's like, and so you're like, oh, it must be hyperbole of the artist doing their thing. No, it's actually not. It's actually a whole other way of interacting with God. You see, yes, you should have your time of devotions and meditation and things like that, concentrated focus. But if you think meditating day and night means you're sitting with your legs crossed and your, your fingers um, and you're doing weird stuff, like, that's not at all what's going on here. What he's talking about is being able to interact with God and the divine every moment of every day in a constant dialogue, which you can do. You can meditate on God's thoughts about you, his truths about you, his love for you. And you can do that by combating all of the unwanted thoughts. In fact, if your unwanted thoughts are always there, you have a unique opportunity to meditate day and night. 
on the good promises that are found in God's word. This is important for us because the psalmist here is encouraging us to sort of soak, to simmer. Right? Everyone knows the secret to a great red sauce. Right? A great red sauce has to sit on the stove all day long. Is that right, Ann? All day long. It has to just it has to simmer all day. We could tell you the other secrets, but then we'd have to kill you. Because that's like family secrets, that kind of stuff. Simmering all day long. Soaking. And when we do this, when we simmer in God's word to us, his promises to us, his challenges to us, his truth about us, about our sin, about our rebellion, about our forgiveness, then our delight starts to come out. Delight. You might, have, you might even be able to, to diagnose if there isn't any delight in God and in his promises, guess what? It means that we're not actually meditating day and night. We're not simmering in the goodness of God in that way. And he tells us that if, in fact, you do this, you'll be like a tree planted by streams of water, yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The challenge, of course, is we try to stop these unwanted thoughts, and it almost seems as if when we try to stop them, we flip that switch and we say, no more, I'm not going to think about it. It almost feels like it gives it rebound power. It almost feels like the very act of telling it, stop, no more, gives it the energy it needs to go out and come crashing back in with more momentum. Many of you have experienced that. I know I have experienced that time and again. One of the most helpful things that Acoff said in his book was you got to stop thinking about it as a switch. If you, have, if you think about it as a switch, you're going to fail in a constant basis. Every time you say to yourself, oh my goodness, I shouldn't be thinking those thoughts. I shouldn't be thinking about that. I shouldn't be thinking about that person. I shouldn't be thinking those thoughts about that person. Click, I'm going to switch it off. And then all of a sudden, 10 seconds later, you feel like it's on again. You're like, oh, I'm a failure. Because you're thinking about it as a switch. And what people who have done a whole lot of work and research on this, they go, it's not a switch. you got to think of it like a dial. Because the dial gives you constant interaction with it. And it isn't a sense of failure at that point. Because every time you feel like the thoughts are redlining, you get to look for ways to turn them down. You turn that dial down. And what's so cool about this is everything in your life can become an, an avenue, a tool, a way, a technique to turn these things down. So if you're ever in that place where you're like, man, this is going crazy, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I can't stop thinking about it, and they did this, and then the work, and then they went to that meeting, and they didn't call me in, and what am I going to do, and I'm all over here, and now I can't, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, this is just a dial. Let me move away from these thoughts let me think differently about those thoughts. Let me apply some gospel truth to these. And it's not one strategy. You're not going to walk up there and just through force of will throw a switch. You're going to apply actual techniques that will start to turn that dial down. And every time you feel it turning back up, it's an opportunity to turn it back down. And the process itself will aid in your sanctification in Christ, meaning your growth in holiness and in the pursuit of Jesus. So the turn-down techniques that I think can be helpful for us to think about, one is don't underestimate the mind-body-soul connection. 
This is going to be found in uh, chapter 3 of Acoff. I'm not going to go through them all because it's easy enough to read. But what's neat about this is the idea is that you're not simply a soul and you're not simply a body. There is a very, very powerful mind-body-soul connection. And sometimes we forget that we can use turn-down techniques. When you have a troubled soul, sometimes mind and body turn-down techniques can be very powerful. But sometimes they seem too simple. And so we don't really want to employ them. Sometimes somebody will come in and they'll say, oh my goodness, I'm having this really big thing. I got all these doubts about, you know, about my relationship with Jesus. And I offer a couple of verses and there's just a, an unsettled sense of anxiety that I see happening. And I'll start asking other questions like, hey, so like, what's your, what's your diet been like? And do you have any exercise? And how have you been sleeping? And, and very practical kinds of things. And at first people look at me like, I'm here to talk about spiritual things. I know, we're, we can talk about spiritual things, but let's kind of pick the easy fruit first. If you tell me that you've had like four or five sleepless nights because of, uh, because of allergies, we should at least factor that into the equation. We should at least say, all right, let's not, let's not like go too crazy in what this might be about until we actually figure out if, in, just, if something is wrong. You know, I spent like eight weeks one winter where I was very, uh, feeling very sad and very, very kind of like out of it and very sluggish. And I'm like, oh man, this is like an issue. I found out that like another guy at the church had like a similar eight-week run. Same symptoms. We started off with an upper respiratory infection. It ended with like some long settling fatigue. And then one day it just lifted like eight weeks later. I'm like, oh, we were sick. I made all of these like, oh, woe is me, God, moments, and I was sick. Like I, I had some sort of respiratory infection that wasn't, uh, wasn't going away. Mind, body, soul, very, very important. His turndown techniques are great. He, he talks about things like exercise and hobbies and accomplishing something small and being with your friends that lift your spirits and being away from people that don't lift your spirits. He says, drink a cup of coffee. Caffeine is the nectar of the gods. Clean a drawer. Or a whole closet if you've got the time. Knit a few rows of your turn-down scarf. So I'd love to see that happening. All of us starting to knit a turn-down anyway. Uh, take a nap. Remember those things you raged against in childhood? Now we love them. Remember it was Elijah. He was all freaked out. I'm the only one of the prophets. And God was like, hey, Elijah, uh, before we do anything, take a nap and have a snack because you're hangry. And then he, it was in the Bible. Hangry is actually there. You didn't know. And so and then he tells me he needs another nap and he needs another snack. And it was like, then God's like, all right, now we can talk. Because before that, you were just being irrational. And so like God needed him to actually just like take a nap. Uh, you know, get some fresh air. Watch 10 minutes of your favorite comedian. Write a thank you note to someone using actual paper and actual stamps and your actual hand. Uh, and so they got a whole long list. You have your own. You know what they are. Do not underestimate the power of the mind, body, soul connection. Ter uh, leverage uh, every reaction is the second of the turn down techniques. This one's interesting because we know that every single reaction you have is an opportunity to be educated about yourself. Every single reaction you have. So when King Saul was being tormented by an evil spirit, he would feel these episodes coming on and they would go get David to play his harp and it would keep Saul's demons at bay. I think there's like a powerful picture in here. We recognize these things going on in us and they ought to tell us something needs attention. Something needs a little affection, a little bit of love, a little bit of discipline. It needs something. When I'm sitting at that concert, and I couldn't just dismiss these things coming in 
suddenly the sense started growing that God really wanted to do something in me, for me, with me. And I just, I needed to press into that. But I took the opportunity because every reaction is an education. This is one of the reasons I encourage folks to practice the daily examine, where you, you actually sit aside, set aside some time to say, what happened this day? Praying for insight from God and saying, what happened this day? When, what, when was I happy? When was I angry? When was I impatient? What was going on inside my heart, in my mind? Figuring it out, writing it out, bringing it before God, and suddenly you can start to see some things happening in some patterns, and you're like, wow, that person really irritated me, but why? Why did they really irritate me? Oh, they irritate me because they seem like they have everything together. Oh, and I remember now that I had seen a Facebook post that they had had earlier, and it just bothered me that their whole, they always have this perfect little life, and they always act like they have this. And I'm really angry that God hasn't given me those kinds of things. And all of a sudden, you're, dealing, you're, you're working on some significant idolatry issues in your own heart, and it was, it was all set off because you said, I'm angry at that person for some unknown reason. And you spend some time looking at your reactions and you get to leverage every one of them. Akoff, he likes to say that if you can worry, you can wonder. See, it's the same mechanism. If, if, you're, if you're always over here, every time you're over here, you get to use that as a way to go back to where God wants you to be. In fact, even better, you can go past it. You can say, all right, this, um, this person always irritates me. What's going on? How come I'm always struggling here? And then all of a sudden you start to realize that there are issues of jealousy in your own heart. And you're like, wait a second. Now, God, I don't want to be a jealous person. I don't want to be that kind of a person. I want to be one who is content in, every, in every, any and every situation. And so suddenly you start to see something beautiful happening in the midst. If you're able to worry, you already have the mental discipline to wonder. He likes to rhyme, right? So if you can doubt, you can dominate business. If you can spin, you can soar. If you can spin out of control, then you can soar to ever greater heights. It's the same mental processes. That's why you're not going to try to shut off the brain. You're going to try to utilize this incredibly powerful gift to get you further down the road that you want to be in your walk with Jesus. You can turn overthinking into action. The third turndown technique is to create new patterns. And so with neurogenesis, we learn that the brain actually continues to create new brain cells every single morning. And so when you wake up, I don't think it's a surprise that so many saints throughout history have had morning devotions. I think there is something here that happens when you get to take those brand new brain cells and you get to help them rewire your natural thinking and reactions to this world. And this is a beautiful gift that God has given us to combat some of the old patterns and the old tracks. And listen, create a, a new habit, a new pattern, whatever it is, Right, and so a person was telling me that they have these terrible thoughts about this person. So if you have terrible thoughts about that person and you condition yourself every time to now dedicate a few moments to pray for them, then every time you get angry at that person, you're going to create a pathway right to prayer. This is good. This means that, that what was something that Satan was messing around in your head with, that the enemy was messing around, that your brain was, was being a jerk to you, all of a sudden it's bringing you into ever greater degrees of meditation day and night, reflection on God and, and interacting in his presence with him. Create new patterns. This is exceptionally powerful. And then fill your mind 
with gospel mantras. When you walk into a Jewish home, there's a little box on the wall, the mezuzah, that's filled with a little scroll to help you remember that your house is covered by God's word, his law. It, 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 it makes a sacramental moment of entering and exiting a door. Some will touch it to remember the promises of God, the Shema. And we can do the same thing. We can create ways of filling our minds with God's word. Now, what, what he does is he's got a whole anthems chapter, which is super helpful, very much on the secular business side of things. And he did a big study with it, 10,000 people. And the reality was, even though most everyone felt silly doing this daily affirmations or daily anthems, those who did it consistently had greater progress toward their goals that they were pursuing and greater happiness in life, which makes perfect sense because we're supposed to reflect on, on God's ways day and night. We're supposed to meditate on these things day and night. Akov is just tapping into something very deep inside the way that humanity is created. And these daily, I think I like his daily uh, affirmations or what he calls his anthems, uh, but I think that this is where the discipline of scripture memorization can really aid us as followers of Jesus. Because now we can take this, this idea of a daily anthems page and we can infuse it with gospel affirmations. And I'm actually thinking about doing this. I was reading his chapter. I'm like, this is so corny. And then he says, you know, a lot of people think this is corny. I was like, all right, well, I guess that's me. And he's like, but those who do it say, this is really helpful. And I realize that I actually have a version of it in some ways because, you know, I've got my own list of, like, scripture memory verses, and I write them on cards over the years. And I just go back and I review them every once in a while. And and I realize I've started to create, not in, in such a concrete form and not one that I do every single morning and every single night like he says, but maybe I will. Maybe I'll write my own version of an anthem gospel infused with scripture memory verses because for me, these are the ones that come back time and again when I'm going through my, my day and my week and my month. Uh, Matthew 6, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth. Matthew 9, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place to pray. John 3.30, he must become greater, I must become less. Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians, be joyful Always, Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Create a gospel-infused anthem. Use his outline, but use her techniques and biblical weight. Find those passages that have been very meaningful and significant. Find the ones that work against those thoughts that are unwanted. If you have identity issues, find the passages that give you your identity in Christ. If you're dealing with sin issues, find those verses that speak about the forgiveness that, that is offered to you at the cross and what it means to be pure in heart so that you might see God and put these into your daily affirmations and use them. Repeat them over and over and over again until they become a part of the way you meditate day and night. What I love is that they promise us that the person that like this is like a tree planted by streams of water, yields its fruit 
in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Whatever they do. Which means when you have those negative, runaway, unwanted, intrusive thoughts, you can prosper in them. Even those can be used by God who pulls beauty from ashes, life from death. He is the one who can take all of those struggles and all of that trauma and all of these troubles and he can turn them into something beautiful. Everything you do will prosper. Listen, forget the whole health, wealth, prosperity part of that. That's not what this is. You're talking about a spiritual growth, a renewal. Not being parsed and dried and harried and harassed and all of that, but instead taking all of those things and seeing them bear much fruit in the kingdom of God, in your soul, in the lives of the people all around you, because now you will be continually transformed into the image of Jesus and you will have patterns of thinking that will purify the way that you interact with people in the world, interact with people far from Jesus, the way you represent Christ and his interests as his ambassador in this world. And that's what we want more and more, to be like this tree planted by streams of living water bearing much fruit so that we might delight and soak up our Savior's presence. Father, we're just asking that you would do these things in us and so much more. Take all of these frustrations and these anxieties and these unwanted thoughts. And Lord, we're not, we're not going to be free of these things in this life. And what we want instead is for you to take these things we want them, you to turn them to the good of the kingdom. Fill us up, Lord, with your power in this way. Fill us, Lord, with your presence. Help us to create the rhythms of life that create the space for us to dwell with our Savior so that our hearts and our minds, Lord, might just simmer, soak in your presence. We pray, Lord, that you uh, would do this and so much more. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. If you enjoyed the sermon, want to learn more about Jesus, or get to know our community, please visit beacon.church to get connected. We would love to hear from you.